you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. The Around the NFL podcast will get you out of shady business deals. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast, a special edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined in a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. And well, we talked about it on Sunday's show and check out the week 17 recap uh, that we rolled out late last night uh, for uh, the latest in the NFL uh, in terms of the games. But what we're talking about today is, listen, internally it's been told, stay away from Black Monday. Don't use the term. It's a little bit of a sensitive issue. You just said it. Oh, that's right. But even um, I mentioned that this is a special episode. Mark, you told me on Sunday's show, special maybe not the word to use in this circumstance. I corrected you. My dog, Mark, with a C. So let me just. You know, say we and we coined this on our Twitter show, uh, which you could also check out a lot of content. Uh, but this is not our Black Monday podcast, Greg. It is our New Horizons podcast. <laughs> new <laughs> Horizons like, Monday feels like I'm being sent away against. No, this is actually coalition. a new a new um, podcast that we're starting <laughs> called the New Horizons <laughs> podcast. We need new another Horizons. revenue stream, more advertisers. And we're going to explore the mind and the body. So, uh, yes, this is something of a mini pod, or we seek uh, seek to have it be a little shorter than a typical pod. But what we're going to do is spin through each of the teams that are involved with comings and goings uh, in the big chair um, and, and talk about what what's the latest as of uh, Monday um, mid-afternoon here on the West Coast. Also, at the end of the show, um, we will uh, throw it to – uh, a good back-and-forth conversation we had with NFL Network's Mike Garofolo, uh on our Twitter show when we talked about uh, some teams, uh, some vacancies, a little talk about Nick Foles. He's at the Eagles facility, uh, Mike, uh, so that will come up a little later in the show. But let's get to it. Let's dig in right now and start uh, with the news that, uh, Wes, we thought really would never come because of the <laughs> way the, the uh, organization operates. Um, and, frankly, the reports ahead of time that – um, the Bengals were leaving it up to Marvin Lewis whether he wanted to return 
for what is it a well Marvin Lewis is an idiot seventeenth season was that what it would have been that was yes. what was out there and then I woke up this morning and there it is Marvin Lewis and the Bengals decide uh, mutually to move on once and for all after 16 years, no playoff wins, a conscious uncoupling, you could call it, Mark Zessler. Minus Apple. Uh, minus Apple. Uh, Wes, Marvin Lewis and the Cincinnati Bengals once and finally no more. Well, as Solomon Wilcox once told you for your pain rankings article, Marvin Lewis raised the Titanic in Cincinnati. I think newer football fans would not believe how sunk this Bengals franchise was before Marvin Lewis arrived. The previous coaches under Mike Brown from 1991 to 2003 had a winning percentage of 270. That is almost unprecedented, maybe unprecedented. This is this it's not even a good batting average in baseball. <laughs> this organization is sort of a vanishing breed as a family-run operation in a business that hopes to be raking in $25 billion annually by 2027. No one – this is unique to the Bengals. No one knows their organizational structure. You can't say that about any of the other 31 teams in the NFL. No one really knows who's calling the shots and what shots are being called and what sort of the flow chart is there. And I think that's why that's one of the reasons why Marvin Lewis stuck around for so long. He had a lot of influence in the draft room, a lot more than most coaches do. And I think that that organization has not been confident they could find an upgrade on Marvin Lewis. Well, he, he rebuilt them. It was one of the great rebuilding jobs of the last decade. And it's unfortunate they couldn't get over the hump to just win one playoff game to get that off their back because I love those mid-2000s Bengals teams. They were fun to watch. And what you talked about with the organization, Bengals fans I know have a complicated relationship with Marvin Lewis, and it definitely went on too long. But what he did was make Mike Brown, their owner, start to modernize. They basically didn't have a scouting department. They didn't have a personnel department. Like, he made them start hiring uh, as part of even staying with the job back in 2011. He made them say, hey, we got to update. We need a scouting department. We need to do this and that. And and I think he did a good job. He was there too long. But if you kind of, like, look at what he accomplished compared to what the other five coaches who lost their jobs in the last two days accomplished, it's like there's no comparison. And, and it's almost a bit of a shame that I think he's been used as a punchline over the last few years, including by us. Well, I'll admit it. It's that's what you think. That's all well and good, but I also feel like he's someone that was given a endless string of rope to not achieve nearly as much as you would want someone. Last you three said, years, if I you agree. were a Bengals fan back in 2003 and said, "We've just hired Marvin Lewis, and here's the good news: he's going to do enough to stick around for 16 years," you would have to think not only are we going to win a playoff game or two, but you're probably going to get a Super Bowl appearance in there because coaches don't stick around that long. But this is a different team, to Wes's point, and they're perfectly willing and capable and patient enough to a fault to stick around with Andy Dalton when other teams are urgently looking to upgrade at the most important position there is. And they had one of the AFC's most talented rosters a couple seasons ago, and you still can't win a playoff game. I don't know what more Marvin Lewis needed to do to not have this job at this point. Here's a stat that neatly sums up your point. There are two coaches in NFL history to go 12 years without a Super Bowl appearance and not be fired. Marvin Lewis and Chuck Knoll. And it happened for Chuck Knoll after he had that leeway of going winning four Super Bowls. Marvin Lewis had the leeway of raising the Titanic. Uh, for what it's worth, Marvin uh, Lewis in his press conference uh, today uh, endorsed Hugh Jackson as his replacement. Here's what uh, Lewis had to say. I think he's more than qualified. 
Um, I think he's been in a couple of difficult situations. And, uh, you know, and, and that's tough. And, and it hasn't broke his way. But I think he's an excellent football coach. He's a great motivator. And, uh, uh, you know, he's detailed. And, and so I think he, you know, he deserves an opportunity, if not here, somewhere else. Uh, so Hugh Jackson, if he got another job, you wouldn't think he could get another job anywhere else. But maybe Cincinnati is, again, Wes, the one operation that runs itself so differently that Hugh Jackson impossibly gets another chance in the big chair. You have asked me many times on this podcast if I feel sorry for Bengals fans, if I take their feelings into consideration. I've never felt sorry for Bengals fans because I think they do it to themselves. If they hire <laughs> Hugh Jackson, I will feel sorry I for Bengals fans. The the, the vibe you, doesn't seem like they will. They're interviewing Darren Simmons, their special teams coordinator, Bill Lazor, offensive coordinator. They've asked to interview Zach Taylor. Uh, Lazor in the big chair. I don't know. Just the way that Marvin Lewis was talking about it, I, I think – I don't know if Mike Brown is as big a fan of Hugh Jackson as Marvin Lewis. I mean, can we spread a wider net than just simply the people already on the payroll? This is so Bengals. No. Like, Zach Taylor I want to see a, a is lo- going in there. Rams quarterbacks coach Josh McDaniels. They requested. I can't imagine you go. the job Josh McDaniels would want to take. Just hire Hugh. It's fun. Don't do it. Don't do it. I feel bad for the Cincinnatians. I don't think Hugh Jackson has earned that, to be honest. I mean, come on. The issue is not just the football acumen. It was the personal experience of Hugh Jackson in Cleveland. You just 100 to, miles north. You don't north. have to sell it, Mark. Everyone knows there should be no, <laughs> no reason just, just, Hugh Jackson gets another head coaching job. It was a joke. You're free, Mark. Huh? You're, You're free. safe. I still, Everything's I, okay. I am still damaged. <laughs> <laughs> the Miami Dolphins also made a move on Monday. They fire Adam Gase here on Bright Horizons Monday after three seasons. New Horizons. <laughs> I don't know if the, the, the coaches would agree with this title, but – Bright well, Horizons they, is the name of Marvin my Lewis is daycare reportedly center. looking into broadcasting, <laughs> maybe front office. Who knows? Those are new horizons for him. Um, Adam Gase out after three years, and uh, the Dolphins, for the fourth time this decade, will look for a new head coach. Uh, the team also promoted GM Chris Greer to oversee the football operations. A tough day for friends of the Around the NFL podcast. Mike Tannenbaum reassigned. He had been the EVP of football operations, so. Tannenbaum, who's been on our show, Adam Gase, who was on our show in March, both swept out in Miami. And, Greg, I know you got takes on this. You think this is the worst job out there right now. Because they've shown no long-term vision. They never replace everyone at once. They always keep one guy. At one point, they kept their GM, then brought in Tannenbaum above him, then fired the GM and brought in another fake GM, kept their coach. But then fake, they, GM. fake GM. Chris, Chris Greer, when he was hired, was not did not have any decision That was his making. title. Yeah, it was fake GM. He had no decision-making power. FGM. And, and now he does because he's won some political power struggle. Him and, him and Serena Williams were right. co-fake GMs. Right. They, like, she shared a little down. office with, like, two yeah. computers facing the opposite way he, towards Gloria the Stefan was, like, the fake um, <laughs> football operations head. Venus Williams was, was in analytics. Little dot matrix it was, printer. It was, it, Fergie it, was uh, an intern. It's always these little internal battles that different people are fighting to try to keep their jobs. That's number one. So I don't have any faith the organization will make a good choice or that it's a good setup. And then number two, the roster's bad, that you're going to have to have all this dead money with Ryan Tannehill. And then what do you have? You have Xavier Howard and Laramie Tunsil and, and not a good home crowd. You just There's not... There's nothing really to like. I totally agree with you. Don't have you. a pick either. And I guess you could have viewed it as a bit of a coup d'etat when they got Adam Gase, who years ago, not long ago, was seen as the next great 
mastermind. They called him the next Don Shula to come to Miami. And now it's names like Eric Bieniemy and Mike Munchak and Vic Fangio that they're going to interview. Fangio. It's like, wait a minute. You just had this next big, next big thing, and you couldn't make it work. And this is – so all the people we're talking about today – they get hired with all these bells yeah. and whistles and parades and draperies. They're all going to be gone two well, or three years Gase is later, getting a lot right? of love still. I mean, he's he's got relationships Why? with the media and and immediately some of them close to us. Um, sure, but immediately it's a talk that he's going to interview, and the Browns is the most common common job. So. Mark is scared. Oh, to wake me up. Hugh Jackson or Adam Gase? Adam Gase. It's a good. It's a good upgrade ultimately. Uh, over Hugh Jackson? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that That's not an extremely tough question. Adam Gase is... Although at the time, you were pretty excited about Hugh Jackson. Of course I was. To case in point, who's the next guy we're all excited about? Talk to me 700 days from now. Mark, you're very intense right now. Well, because I, I, you know what? A, a big part of this is when we're when you're in this thing and we're watching NFL Network from 6 a.m. and telling me everything is the net, <laughs> the sky is falling left and right all over the place. All of this is the biggest news ever, but the, the rate of these coaching hires suggests that the vast majority, when you hire eight, six or seven are going to go totally south. It's kind of depressing. Well, which takes us to um, the Arizona Cardinals. They make the decision – and this is something that we kind of knew was coming, but it's also now official. Steve Wilkes hired. He gets one year. He takes over a team. Remember what we talked about, uh, men? Uh, men, I call you. Usually I call you boys. Sometimes. Well, guys. we've we've matured in, on this men. day. On I mean, we've, 2019 we've, now. we've either sired <laughs> multiple children or overcome cancer. I think we deserve the title men. Kids, have, kids having kids, Greg. Is this the most masculine podcast, uh, Erica? By far oh yeah <laughs> uh all right anyway echo chamber so no uh what was i talking about i'm so caught yeah, up with steve wilkes, steve wilkes. A wilkes. man's career when steve wilkes got hired i remember we were all at the scouting combine in february and we all kind of had a conversation i think we talked about it on this very pod that steve wilkes was the guy where you kind of felt a little sorry for him because a lot of these other teams even john gruden who got a lot of attention at the combine there was st- there was excitement around the team and uh, the the idea of a new horizon uh, and a lot to build on potentially, and and Wilkes had never had that, and and they do, and they went and they got Josh Rosen, which I thought was the right move at the time, uh, but nothing really came of that, um, and, at least in his first year. And I just feel like Wilkes kind of got a raw deal here. I don't know if he was the guy or not the guy, but he got written off by about eight games into the season, and these guys deserve more time to mature into the job. I don't I don't think that's how you do business. They've also fired Byron Leftwich, who was the second offensive coordinator they had the season after firing Mike McCoy. And Byron Leftwich was meant to be someone that they could build around and a young coach they could grow. And the Cardinals are a good example of a zero patience situation where why are we giving an NFL coach one year to take over a bad organization? Look, it was was a hard-to-watch team. There wasn't a lot happening there. He's one of the coaches that wants to fit players into his you know, scheme that Absolutely. is immovable, and that is a, he's got to learn from that. If you're Steve Wilkes, at the same time, but I he just, never even got a chance. To I, learn I agree. From I just I something, part something it, about it seems very unfair. I think you part, shouldn't be learning. That's the job of a coordinator. You should be. You should know what you're doing when you're an NFL head well, coach. Well, when you get the, it's your first job. I don't care what. That's your job what the is. coordinator position is for. I don't to learn how it, to become I don't care a head if it's coach. President of the United States. There's a learning curve to every job you work in, and you and you. If you, you are running it. a sub NFL level offense for 16 games, which he was, when he said all offseason, everything we're going to do is based on the run and the offensive line, and he had one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. 
You, do you want to hear from your coach in 2019? Everything we're going to do is based on the run. One of the worst five offenses no. uh, in the football outsiders era, according to their numbers. They, I think part of the factor here was Steve Keim, their GM, is very much on the hot seat, but is allowed to keep his job. And I, you just get the sense they're almost giving Keim one chance to take a mulligan because Wilkes wasn't his first choice by any means, according to reports. And like whatever this new tandem is, Kime and the new coach is going to have a short show. Well, and it, it, real quick, it's not a good look that Mike McCarthy's name was floated out there as the Cardinals being very interested and wanting to give him a lot of power to come in and have personnel power. And Mike McCarthy, from what we're hearing, has no interest in going there. Not a good start. So here's the other way to look at it, because I do, I do think uh, – Giving a, a coach one year is not good business. But Steve Will, uh, Vance Joseph in Denver, they, the Broncos had not had back-to-back losing seasons uh, since the 1970s, early in the 1970s, which is a remarkable achievement uh, in any era, uh, but especially in the salary cap era. Uh, well, Joseph comes and they just can't get it together. And you remember there were a lot. There was a lot of whispers that Joseph was maybe a one-and-done candidate last year. They gave Joseph another uh, season to get it going. They gave him a better quarterback in Case Keenum. But, Greg, ultimately, they just could not get anything going. And the way they ended the season uh, maybe just uh, solidified that it was time for him to move on. There's not much to to like about this situation, again, because you don't have a quarterback. I mean, you have Von Miller, so I would take it over the, the Dolphins' job. You have Chris Harris. You have a couple players. You have uh, a guy in John Elway who I don't think really is struggling for job security. Uh you wonder if Gary Kubiak would listen to to becoming a head coach again. I, it sounds like he wants – John Elway would love Gary Kubiak to be the coordinator and they bring in someone with Kubiak. Well, there are reports out there that John Elway would really love to somehow trade for John Harbaugh. That's, that's the next Broncos. Yeah, Mike Garofolo, Ian Rapport have kind of thrown that out there as the Dolphins. Can you trade for a and coach the Broncos as two teams that that would love to go after John Harbaugh? But why would I don't think the Ravens are going to do. I that also anymore. found it interesting that Elway came out and said that Adam Gase, who was their offensive coordinator and someone that Elway thought that was not ready to be a head coach some years back, is saying no, he's not a candidate at all. I mean, I don't. Mark love that. No, well, I just Gase think that's a, it's a it's just he's not the only one. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> what was that, Eric? <laughs> what? I don't know. I don't it was inappropriate. It, it was way inappropriate. Totally, especially on New Horizons. Or Monday. spot on. Um, yeah. So it's it's a it's a tough job. It's a defense that is underperformed, and Joseph was a defensive guy. So the the and that's a whole thing too with all this West. There's eight uh, head coach openings, and everyone wants to go in the new direction in the NFL, which is get an offensive minded guy. And I would think Elway is the same way. But there's not I mean, there's a lot of openings and maybe not a lot of guys even capable for the gig. It's a good time to be an offense coordinator with some pedigree. It is. I mean, I I totally agree that you don't know where they'll turn. There are tons of candidates who are offensive minds. Nobody knows if they're gonna be good head coaches. And I, I have no problem with Vance Joseph uh being out after some of the coaching strategy he's used throughout games. But I think that John Elway's getting off easy. And I'm not sure exactly what Joe Ellis does or is responsible for. He's the he, team he president. Seems to be running the whole Fake operation. President? I mean, there's essentially a, an a ownership vacuum because of what's happening with the Bolin family and fight over inheritance. But Joe Ellis is running the business. He's essentially running like an owner would. His his and John O.I.'s fingerprints are 
all over these disappointing seasons. Think of how many different coaches and quarterbacks Elway has had in his time. And there's a great stat. It's a little unfair, but a great stat that Elway was 20 and 28 in the three years, you know, before Manning arrived and 20 and 28 in the three well, and outside years of, since. Yeah, and outside of Jerry Jones, John Elway is the closest there is to a GM who simply would have to fire himself to be removed because he's, you know, an icon. Well, I, think I don't know, but what if, what if he has another Vance Joseph and another Brock Osweiler? I'm saying who's, who's going to fire it. him? Who fires John Elway in Denver? That's Joe Ellis. Uh, does he? <laughs> I, I mean, know. it helped I mean, it, that yeah. he had a very good um, uh, draft and brought in some did. good talent. However, yes, the quarterback position, which is ironic, obviously, because of what he did for a living before he went into car sales and then uh, in, into uh, the front office. That but well-worn path. Yeah, well-worn path. Uh, but you, you just you get the feeling that he has no idea what to do with quarterback because, again, we don't have a strong quarterback class. You have Case Keenum, I think, under contract for one more year. $7 million guaranteed next year. So right. it's almost And then you have a bunch of guys on the, of. who's on the market. It's guys that are kind of in the Case Keenum tier of quarterbacks. So they're kind of caught in between. Meanwhile, Von Miller, who's one of the great defenders of this era, is going to continue to get older and get paid a ton of money. It's a tough situation. In Denver, not high up on the list of best jobs, is it, Greg? Let's say number six. Number six of eight. <laughs> wow. Number. Wait, let me just go through this. Sexy. Uh, Bengals. I have them eighth. I would have them probably seventh. <laughs> this is a weird way to do Mark, this. Mark, what do you ha- where do you have the Dolphins? I had the Dolphins above the Bengals. I would say Dolphins seven, Bengals eight. Arizona. <laughs> exactly how I have it. I have the Arizona, Cardinals fifth. Yeah, they're in the middle yeah. somewhere because they got a pick. I mean, they, I like Rosen. They have the number one pick. They have some recent track record. This is taking some mental energy to go backwards on our – I don't even have a list. So, Well, that's good. All right, let's move on to the Jets. Todd Bowles officially <laughs> out. He was let go on Sunday night. This was the uh, worst-kept secret in the NFL. We knew Bowles was gone once the Jets' season spiraled. He loses 40 games in four years. That's not a good average. No playoff appearances. Uh, we, there was a report that Jim Harbaugh – that the Jets would shake the tree and see if maybe they could get Jim out of Michigan. Um, But there is now the idea that Jim is not going anywhere. And beyond that, in a press conference today, uh, Chris Johnson, who is the acting owner while Woody uh, is overseas as the UK ambassador, um, he is going to keep general manager Mike McCagnin aboard. They are going to – the new head coach, whoever it is, and McCagnin will both answer to – uh, ownership. So a uh, Jim Harbaugh type or anybody that is, uh, you know, a CEO type, one of those big names is not going to want that arrangement. So it does give you pause as a Jets fan. You always get nervous because you want the GM to hire him, don't you? You you do. And you and you wanted to answer the GM. But the Jets part of the, these teams that struggle year after year after year, they like we're talking about, don't always have the, the right setup. And they're sticking with Big Mac, but they're going to have a structure that makes me nervous that they're going to end up with a, a rough setup, just like it was when they paired Rex Ryan with John Idzik, which was a disaster. And then they had our boy Casserly, Charlie Casserly, uh, lead the search that led to Todd Bowles and McCagna being paired. They didn't even know each other beforehand. I just want there to be some type of level of competence with this search, and it, it's hard for me to get – excited because I'm I'm worried that this team time and time again does not do that. Greg mentioned the Dolphins, uh, the paradigm that's so confusing for anyone outside to understand what's attractive about it. These things where you have coach and GM both reporting to the owner almost invariably lead to 
you know, infighting and one trying to win favor and often a power struggle. And I would say outside of Mike McCagden making a savvy trade that led to Sam Darnold, all credit due, this Best roster dog. is in rough shape. What yeah, but you have Mike McCagden. No, that's fine. That's that was your that was no, your move. Right. But what is your what is it about Mike McCagden? That's that has, what saved his job. That, but that to me is like that's not enough. Like, he did a great job getting that trade done, but it is about it's roster one, building. It's the one position that can save your job if you make a trade, and that turned out to be an incredibly savvy trade with the Colts. No end doubt. Up with, and he got lucky, too. There's luck that's involved as a component, but that's how sports is. But this is still the man you're leaning on to build the rest of right. the roster around your young quarterback. It's, that's it's where dicey. the trust is. I, they, I'm not going to say McCagnon is the right guy. I don't, I don't know if he is. I don't follow the Jets as well as Dan does, but Christopher Johnson, everything I've read and seen from him, I trust him. Like he seems to have a good head on his shoulders. He seems, seems to know what he's doing. I would have way more confidence in him picking a coach than but the he's GM not, picking a coach. He's not the owner. He's the acting owner. But it, for all intents and purposes, the, he the is current the owner, owner right is going to – who knows? Uh, you know, he's the right now the ambassador to, to the UK. The, to the England. UK. Yeah. Not, not a, a lot job. of people in that administration have kept jobs for too long, and we're about halfway through From what already. it sounds – it sounds like Chris Johnson, it's his, it's his gig. Uh, they, uh, they, have it, they have confirmed or there's been multiple – Poll reports that they've requested to talk with Todd Monken, who's kind of fun, Eric Bieniemy from the Chiefs, and Chris Richard from the Cowboys, and they were turned down by Matt Campbell, who's the Iowa State coach. Who's gonna? Uh, who's probably turning down any yeah, pro offer? It's not just the Jets. Stay. I mean, I, I it's it, the Eric Bieniemy should be not new news. That was mentioned on our Twitter show just a couple weeks ago. Insider Mark says. Oh, you mentioned it. Yeah. Nice. Little fill in the blank game. Oh yeah. That? A lot of the things just you know, roughly from twenty my mind. roughly twenty days ago. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the Bucks. Dirk Cutter out after three seasons, three lost seasons in Tampa. There's just no progress, no growth, and uh, maybe uh, Chris Wessling. A lot of that can be attributed to getting into bed with Jameis Winston as the face of your franchise, uh, who was suspended to start the season, who was benched. But it sounds like the Bucks as an organization are still behind uh, their for- former first overall pick. So whoever takes this job is going to have to figure out how to make that work. I don't think they're really that much behind Jameis Winston. I think they're saying we're going to foot the $20 million bill for next year to give him a one-year audition on top of the four years we've already seen. But he's not a part of the coaching search like you would expect from a number one overall draft pick and fans. Oh, yeah. I'm with you. I don't even know if he's guaranteed to make the team. It almost just makes sense to keep him on a one-year contract. They have the number five pick in the draft, and you would think they'll be looking at the quarterbacks. I know it's not a great class, but they they have to be looking at a quarterback. And that pick comes one one pick before the New York Giants. So you know that that could become a very important moment in the draft. Not a terrible roster. I know they this is one of the worst franchises in the league. I think they have one winning season in in a long stretch, but not the worst roster out there. They got some players. For what it's a tricky tra- roster. James Light, the uh, GM who is sticking around, uh, said today of Winston, he has done some amazing things. There's a lot to like about Jameis, and he'll be here next year. So, yeah, yeah. it doesn't say anything beyond next year. But for me, if you are the head, co- if you take the head coach job, you yeah, probably you take have, it with the understanding that that's your guy. you got to have a plan. It is interesting how many of these GMs on the hot seat all kept their jobs. David Caldwell in Jacksonville, Steve Kime in Arizona, Jason Light in Tampa, and Mike McCagnin in New York are four – off the top, I man. think the firing season for GMs is different than coaches. I mean, be, they're they're knee fair. deep in draft and scouting. Yeah, and all they get fired throughout the off season in March, 
June, May. I mean, you don't see coaches getting firing fired. I have a. I, you're gonna think this is a joke question. It honestly is not. I have a, a serious question. If you are a a coach with two or three offers, and you are someone that like I have a physical nauseating response to the Bucks uniform. Would you go to a completely different organization where you love the look of the feel of the stadium, the way it looks on television, the uniforms from top to bottom, or is am I being utterly insane? I think that you have to trust your instincts, and if you're and if you don't like an area, if you're not going to find pleasure, it would keep me in bed. Got yeah, some breaking, breaking news. news here. I mean, it happened to be we're talking about him. Dirk Cutter is considered the front runner for the Falcons' offensive coordinator. Got me nervous. I mean, which he, which he, didn't that he already have job. that once? Yeah. That guy, I got really nervous there. I thought, it's, Jets. It, Jets. I mean, like, talking about it. Yeah. This, is, this whole thing is going to be a stressful process. Uh, so Dirk Cutter's going back to Atlanta. Possibly. I mean, that, he's the, the heavy front runner, according to D. Orlando Ledbetter. We've seen Daryl Bevel's name with the Falcons and Gary Kubiak. Uh, let's talk about uh, another uh, big hiring on Monday, or not a firing here on New Horizons Monday, but a hiring on New Horizons Monday. It is a new horizon for Mike Mayock, the draft guru who has anchored the NFL Network coverage of the draft and the process leading up to the draft for years and has really built a name as one of the more knowledgeable um, college uh, talent scouts there is, at least on the on the old boob tube. Well, the Raiders, they say, hey, bro, you want to go work in a front office? You want the highest post that we have? Uh, you're the general manager now. You are replacing Reggie McKenzie. So, uh, and Mike Mayock says, uh, okay, bro, I will take that job. That's that's not a bad gig. I like going on TV, me and Rich, uh, me and Eisen, we get along well. That's fine. That's all good. But you're going to give me a GM spot, get a nice office, get a parking spot. I'm the GM of an NFL team now, Mike Mayock. The parking spot turned the tides here. Didn't hurt. I one thing is with the Niners when they went and hired John Lynch, and the people thought, "How can this work? It's it's someone with no developmental skills. Like it's a former player who's in the media." I think it's it's an outside the but box. Like he had move. like temper tantrums and stuff. Like who? And like eight crayons and stuff. John Lynch. Yeah, he hasn't done. No, enough, just like, that he was not. He didn't come from that background. That just that's I, maybe more like he, a term from like a preschool yeah. like report. He hasn't card. done enough parallel. <laughs> what term? What term did I even use? Kids. I didn't recall. Developmental skills. Oh well, no. I mean, just that you know, the background was not synced up with. The league thinks the same way about all these people. It's like May- Mayock to me is an interesting hire, and I mean, who's who deserves more of a shot from the media than Mike Mayock? Well, it's an interesting pairing with John Gruden. Well, who's their friends? Who's been scouting? You know, college players more. Obviously, people inside the NFL are doing it as well, but they're looking for a specific skill set, and Mayock's been looking for every team. He is known to be very close with Paul Gunther, who's their defensive coordinator, and he mentioned that Mayock did in his press conference saying, I know exactly what Paul is looking for, and I, and, you know, I know how to find those you know, types of players. I think it's cool. He's a 60-year-old guy who it's, who probably thought, like, this is my chance. Like you're only going to live one life and it, it's an interesting setup and everything, but it's like, do you want to, if, if you're in his position and as an analyst, do you want to do that your whole life? Or do you want to try to be in the game here? Ring. You know what I mean? Yep. Do you want to go for like, do you it? you want to like work it's for risky, but why not? It's you like work for NFL media. Heed the call. And year after year, do the same thing and just live a cycle year after year after year. And nothing ever changes, and it's different season, but it's the same thing over and over and over again. Or do you want to go well, 
join as a GM somewhere. I, I like that, but there's a flip side to that. Dan, that was a dark look into your psyche. <laughs> I don't know what this. I don't know what's happening here. I, well, the I was making side. a reference to our our lives, Mark. That's what Mark I, was just waiting for me to no, shut up so I, he wasn't listening. No, I do not want to suddenly <laughs> necessarily though be attached to the success of the Oakland Raiders a year from now, where every draft season, if you're Mike Mayock, you are put out there as this mastermind that has these massive media calls with everyone clutching to you and your information, <laughs> and you're put out there as a hero. And you he have, knows the deal, though. I know, I know he does. Guy. I'm just saying that there's a flip side to this, and ask John Gruden is the first person to ask. Like, a year ago, you're John Gruden, television guy that everyone wants, and now you're John Gruden. He that, wants it. You know, it's a challenge. It's a challenge, and, but I think he's and, up for it. And like Parcells, it's like, he always talked about you want to go to the one and fifteen team. I mean, you're not going to get worse. And it turns Dan- Daniel Jeremiah into the most powerful figure at our network, and someone who is a generally nice guy who's probably going to turn into an absolute nightmare Monster. now that he's been given <laughs> this, new this type of power. I, I think the real under the radar breaking news from that whole segment was Dan's trying to bring boob tube back. I think <laughs> I haven't heard that since my dad I when I was like nine years old. Hey, what's it. on the old boob? What's tube? on the old boob tube? Hey, get the clicker. Uh, all right. Uh, how about your Cleveland Browns, Mark? Um, obviously, um, Greg Williams is formally interviewing for the for the uh, head coaching job. He was the interim and did quite well uh, taking over for Hugh Jackson. So he interviews on Tuesday. Um, Freddie Kitchens, does he get an interview himself? He What's is. the process? I actually, the one thing that, that in- encourages me amidst certain – some gossip and rumors that have me highly concerned, as you know, is that they have announced more than double any other team of the people that they're interviewing. It sounds like they're going to take their time. Dan Campbell, Matt Eberflus, Brian Flores, Mike Munchak, Mike McCarthy, Adam Gase, Kevin Stefanski. All the Mikes. Colts OC, Nick Sirianni, and Jim Caldwell. Hey. I mean, it's just like at least you're – I hope – because my concern was they're going to interview two people and someone's just going to hire Mike McCarthy and not think about it. I hope that they are open-minded enough, ownership, front office, all of them, to be wowed by someone different than we expect. I want John Dorsey to make the decision. I absolutely think that is how it must go. And I'm not convinced that's how it's going to go at all. It's the only thing around the Browns. It's a great, desirable job with the best up-and-coming quarterback in the league and a ton of uh, talent on the roster, and they already proven in a 7-8-1 and one season they can hang with anyone. A lot of people pick them as a playoff team, but will they get out of the way upstairs in ownership because they have meddled time and time again in the last seven or eight years, however long Haslam's been there. Will they stay out of the way? Dorsey deserves a wide berth because he had a nice first year with his team. Will he get it? I think the 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 one concern lingering with and, and, and look at who knows that Adam Gase couldn't go to another team and do a good job, but it is Jimmy Haslam and Peyton Manning are legit, very very close friends. To the point that years for years there were rumors that Peyton Manning was going to become high up in Cleveland's front office. That they're super tight because of their Tennessee ties, and Peyton Manning is in, is in ownership's ear saying Adam Gase is the guy. So he's going to have from top down. You're going to have to be. Mm wowed by someone else for a change of direction if that's how this is actually playing out behind the scenes. Um, lastly, the Packers. What are you hearing, Greg? Well, my source is on the ground. Tell <laughs> me. That's nice. I don't know. There, Josh McDaniels is one of the names. When I say what are you hearing, I'm talking about what you're, yeah. you're watching on the boob tube yourself. Yeah. Uh, Josh McDaniels was uh, requested for an interview. Uh, Zach Taylor, who's kind of like the next 
I guess people are wondering if he's the next McVeigh because he's mm. worked under McVeigh. He's in his 20s, I believe, still is uh, was requested for an interview. It sounds like they're going to go through a pretty long list. Pat Fitzgerald, the Northwestern coach who once was very close and worked under Mark Murphy, who is essentially their acting owner. Seems that like not the surprise me. Seems like the favorite just because of that relationship. Wes, I know that you every Saturday sit down and watch Northwestern on that special cable package you have. What are your thoughts on the coach? Well, I do have a friend from Tybee Island <laughs> who's a chiropractor and is close friends with Pat Fitzgerald. Wow. Yes. Not bad. So they like they're from the same area. They've known each other since childhood and he speaks in glowing terms. Let's about get him on the show. Pat Fitzgerald. Mm. Doug Bisbee's his name. No, Doug, I mean let's Dr. get Pat Doug. Fitzgerald. I don't okay. care about <laughs> Doug. Sorry, buddy. Sorry, Doctor Doug. <laughs> um all right, and we think the the Packer job is the oh let's go through the rest of it. All right, the jet job, where do you put that? I think that's like in the top three because of Sam Darnold. And it's a good challenge, and you can be the first coach in a long time to make the Jets a success. I'd go three, just exactly because of that, I behind the Packers and, and Browns. All right, how about the Bucks? I have the Bucks sixth. They're in the middle. I don't think Six their roster is that bad, and not I'd rather great. have Winston than – than a couple of these other teams' situations. Winston and the number five pick. I have like, I eight, I have like five teams season. between six and seven, so that's where I put <laughs> the, the Jameis best. Winston versus Marcus Mariota battle between Wes. No one's so depressing. No one's going gone. out with a whimper. Yeah, so I, depressing. I'd rather have a vacancy than Jameis Winston. Uh, Packers, I think that's uh, number two, I'd put it. That's where I have them. Maybe one. I, two, you, right the only the, thing I'd say right if you – I would take number one because of just because of the Browns' history. Baker Sorry. Mayfield is 20. I know, years but old. it's a short-term league. We keep talking about, you know, in 2016 they fired or they hired seven coaches. Only one of them still has a job. So I'm worried about the next three years. Fortune Aaron Rod- favors the bold. Aaron Aaron Rodgers. I think going and winning some Super Bowls with Aaron Rodgers is plenty bold for me. I, I think it's a that. challenging job too because it, it reminds me. It's not that the, it's the Raiders, but it's a little Gruden-esque. Where like when you hit Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, eight and eight. Is going to get you flamed. You better yes. be eleven and five or twelve and four, or people are going to come calling. He's also the quarterback that in this room has been stated many times. It's the best ever. How many coaches get the opportunity? Well, ask Jimmy Johnson about working ever. with Dan Marino. That could not have gone worse. Like these things don't always go well. But there's also something to be said for unlocking a mystery like Baker Mayfield. What are the possibilities? There? Absolutely, it's a great debate. Uh, also great was our conversation with Mike Garofolo of NFL Network outside of the Eagles facility. Uh, we did it on our Twitter show earlier today, and now we will present it to you in full. Take it away, us. That's a great segue. Mark Sessler says a lot of hot air coming from NFL Network airwaves. Now joining us from the <laughs> Eagles complex that did not go well. uh, in Philadelphia is the, the great Mike Garofolo. Mike, uh, your thoughts on uh, Mr. Sessler's comments. Let's start there. Uh, they were checking me in, and I was catching up with uh, one of my buddies, Matt Schneider, from my Fox days. So, frankly, I didn't catch any of it. If you, you want don't to know me right now, I'd be happy. <laughs> okay, you don't want to know. Wonderful. You guys could take it offline. But, we're Mike, uh, thank you for joining us here on the uh, ATN Twitter show. You're outside, by the way. And, I, you know, at this point, Mike, I mean, it's almost 2019. A little green screen. We could get away with the technology, and you'd be feeling good in a, in a corridor somewhere. 
I'd have no problem doing this show from the comforts of my home, which I was doing <laughs> until late last night when they said, we need your update on Nick Foles and his ribs tomorrow morning. And I thought, okay, Oof. when I got to get there, I can do it from home. We've got the phone. No, we wanted to, which was great though, because I got an eyewitness account of Nick Foles walking into the building here today. And when he was asked how he was doing, he literally tapped his ribs and he said, I'm good. That's what my eyewitness source told me. <laughs> You're a real journal. that kind of color from home. Pelissero's not right. getting that that's... from his basement. Give me a break. <laughs> no, he's not from uh, Don Draper's office. You ever notice how his his, his home set is, is like Draper and it's like later Draper. You it know? is. It's, it's late period Draper. When I, I think of Tom, when I think of Draper, yeah. I think of Tom Pelissero. There's a, a high <laughs> parallel there between those two. <laughs> yeah, late period I, you know, Draper. Yeah, I, I said, is that John Hamm one day? I put a post up on my Instagram story. My wife was like, it better not be because she has never met John Hamm. And I, yeah, I know that's that's something kind of lofty to throw out in the universe. Sure. But the thing is, he was at the NFL Honors twice. And I didn't take yep. her either year. The one, because I just never thought, like, oh, she wants to go see John Hamm. He's hosting. The second time, I didn't know he was presenting. So she wanted to kill me both times. Anyway, we're way off track. What were it's we talking about? It's for the best. ribs. Yeah, there's yeah, no exactly. need. There's yeah. really no need for you to introduce your wife ever to a John Hamm type. I mean, whether it's actually him or Not a man that looks like that. Um, all right, Mike. She's so told me I love you. Hold on, no, no, no. no. <laughs> yeah. This is an important point. She's told me I love you, but if he ever walks into a place where I am and says, "You, you're with me," she's gone. I get it. I get it. Makes sense. So, Foles <laughs> walks into the. Or does he levitate into the facility? Because at this point, that man is gold. <laughs> Somebody sent me a tweet today. It was a picture of Nick Foles. And a picture of Jesus Christ, and he said, I can't tell the difference between these two pictures. So if you're into that, I guess, you know, they are building shrines to him here. And Chris Long said maybe it was the shrine that allowed him to get up from that hit against Jadevi on Clowney uh, a couple of weeks ago. Well, well, maybe it was the shrine that made sure that his ribs didn't crack. Now, they're bruised, and that is a painful thing. You know, I kept saying on air today, ah, oh, it's just bruised ribs. I've never had bruised ribs. I, I know it does hurt. I mean, cracked ribs and fractured ribs, that's the stuff that's going to prevent you from playing and that's right. not the case with Nick Foles he got that full battery of tests everything looks good uh, and as I explained a little bit earlier it was a $500,000 round of tests there because that $250,000 per game starting thing that he got during the year it doubles in the postseason he gets $500,000 if he plays 33% of the snaps on Sunday and then another $500,000 so a million for every playoff game that he wins <laughs> up to $4 million if he should wow. win all four of them he is Jesus um, Mike, you cut your teeth in the uh, New York, New Jersey metro area. Yeah. Uh, so, and you know, I'm a Jets fan. So, what do you got for me, Mike? Where are we at? Are they going to get this right? And what names are you hearing out there? <laughs> Help me, Mike. Well, I, let, let me let me let me just undercut my own credibility here and say I was the guy that said Steve Wilkes in Arizona was going to be a fantastic hire. Now, I, I called the foul <laughs> on myself today on Twitter. Uh, and I could argue that, you know, he didn't get a fair shake there, but I screwed that one up. So are they going to get it right? I don't know if they're going to get it right, but I will tell you this. Uh, it, it's going to be an interesting search because I believe, and we, we've already seen Eric Bieniemy out there, I think you're going to get them looking at a couple other unproven, not unproven, a couple other uh, guys who maybe don't have the same pedigree as some of these retread head coaches. I, I know that they would love to get a crack at Mike McCarthy. That has been my understanding, and I mentioned hmm. that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, however, I, I don't know that McCarthy has them at the top of his list. Uh, and the last I heard, the possibility of McCarthy sitting out a year was a strong one for him. Now, hmm. he's kind of keeping things under wraps. Close to the best. You're not going to hear a whole lot about that. I do expect that he will interview, but 
the teams are going to have to court him and he's going to have to court teams. I mean, he's going to have to go a little really? bit of both ways here hmm. on McCarthy. Yeah, I do. When I, did I, Mike I McCarthy become the, the belle of the ball? Who, You know, you would think Sam Darnold, that what better coaching job could you get than being able to work with a guy like Sam Darnold? I'm, I'm surprised. Do you think other teams are looking at McCarthy that way like the Jets are too? He's going to have to fully investigate this Jets situation because I know a lot of times some coaches will look at it and they'll say, ah, New York, do I really want New York? You know what? It's not even really New York. It's so far west in Jersey, you don't even feel the hot breath of Manhattan on your neck. Trust me. I mean, it's, it's, it's the market. I get it. But it's a little bit different lifestyle living out there. And the other thing is the bar is so low. You go in and make the playoffs, you're going to be carried off as a hero at this point. This, this, this franchise, I, we keep getting these like restarts where you think okay okay now it's it, it's the time you know you come in there you have a little bit of success and, and Darnold has shown some flashes and uh you know he's got a lot to work on still but he's shown some flashes early on you think it's a guy that you would like to work with yeah all right and then on the brown side uh we've been talking we were talking at the top of the show that that feels like it's the best job to have out there Bruce Arians went as far to throw his own name into the mix a few weeks back I haven't really heard much on that and I don't know if you've heard anything about uh Bruce but what are your thoughts on what's going on with the Browns right now no, and then uh, Bruce Arians expanded to the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers today by mm. texting Ian Rappaport saying, you know, yeah, now I consider that one as well. I, you know what? <laughs> While you're at it, hey, Bruce, how about the Cardinals? Yeah, sure, I'd go back there as well. Uh, you know, it, it's just it, it, it's, it's a moving target sometimes for these guys. I get it. It's an attractive job, and I, I buy into, and I, I, I tweeted this out earlier, uh, Peyton Manning is a Adam Gay supporter, and Peyton Manning is close with Jimmy and D Haslam, so I fully expect the possibility uh, of Gase landing in Cleveland uh, to be a strong possibility here. Now, you know, we mentioned McCarthy. Uh, Steve Weiss said a couple of weeks ago he doesn't think he's going to wind up being the head coach, but I still wouldn't be shocked if they talked to McCarthy and brought him on a formal interview. Uh, but Gase is the guy that I'm looking at here because, you know, I, it, he and Ryan Tannehill did, never really quite clicked, but through the whole period. I, I covered this team closely a couple of years ago. I had their playoff game uh, against the Steelers as well. Nobody stands by their quarterback more than Adam Gaze. I, it's just no matter what the guy is doing, Gaze is always supporting him, never negative regardless of who it is, and always feeling like he can get that guy moving in the right direction. So I think his confidence paired with Baker Mayfield's dangerous cockiness, I think it's a good combination. I mean, Mike, I'd have one question, though, because it was interesting to hear John Dorsey say during his press conference that he hoped ownership would listen to essentially their search committee's recommendation. And it certainly sounds like a Peyton Manning to Haslam channel for Adam Gase. I don't get the mm -hmm. sense necessarily that John Dorsey feels that way. And there's also a star wide receiver on the Browns who doesn't get along and has a bad history with Adam Gase. And Adam Gase in general, I think there's a lot to like, but there's a era, an aura of sort of cantankerousness with Adam Gase. And why, after the Dolphins experience, do the Browns say, this is the best we can do? Mark is nervous. Just a oh, bit. I don't, I, I, no, I, I, don't, I don't think they sit there and say, boy, it's got to be Adam Gaze. If not, we're in some serious trouble right here. I, I, I just believe in his candidacy for this job. Yeah. And, you know, listen, once you sit down with guys, you know, they have an idea who their favorites are and who they, they certainly have a list and the order of things. But I, I tend to allow these processes to play out. I mean, these interviews really are important. And I, I've heard a lot of situations where, you know, hey, this guy moved himself up on our list during our interview. He really hit it off, especially with the owner. I mean, the owners are the kinds of guys that they go into it. They don't understand the X's and O's 
per se the way that maybe the general manager does. So so they're relying a lot upon the interview. And if he can go in there and he can wow Jimmy Haslam, great. Uh, and and if uh, those guys in there, as far as John Dorsey, Elliot Wolf, Alonzo Highsmith, all those guys who certainly know their football there, if they can come to an agreement there, I, I could see Gaze coming in. That's all I'm saying. I, I, he's he's a guy who's going to get a lot of support from Peyton Manning and other folks around the league as well. Though I guess it depends on who you talk to because John Elway's not bringing him in. And John Elway was the guy that said he didn't think he was ready a couple of years ago mm. when he moved on when he was the Broncos offensive coordinator. We've got eight openings. We're hearing all these names bandied about. Some are being reported. I'm sure there are names that aren't even being reported about that you probably hear. Is there a name that may not be reportable but has shocked you or surprised you that this person is getting interest? Yeah, he's not reportable. <laughs> <laughs> is there anybody from I got a good one. Ooh. Come on, Mike. No, <laughs> no one's watching. Break it right here. He's from college. I, I, I'm, 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 possibility, yeah. But I want to talk about another guy that surprised me today. How about that? Josh McDaniels, Smart. because he is getting some interest. You know, Bob, uh, Bob Lamont, who is a uh, coaching agent to the stars, I guess you could say, uh, talked last year after he terminated his relationship with Josh McDaniels when he left the Colts the altar and he said Please. you're committing professional suicide here uh, and, and he, he said I never go back on my word my word is my bond all that stuff that Lamont said publicly uh, and he felt like McDaniels was never going to get a shot again it was going to have to be uh, him succeeding Bill Belichick well McDaniels is getting some looks and I guess I'm a little surprised because you know if you're another team and, and look we're, we're in a league now where a, a player could do something on the field, in the locker room, even off the field, and a team will cut him, and another team will say, hey, no problem, he didn't do that in our presence, so let's bring him in here, let's give him a shot here. So it's a similar type of thing with Josh McDaniels where, you know, the, the Colts would never even think about the possibility of bringing in Josh McDaniels, but because the Packers didn't have that done to them, they'll say, oh, well, let's bring him in. If he wants to coach here, great. We don't care what he did to the Colts. So well, I guess I'm a little bit surprised by that, uh, the fact that he is getting some interest this year. Two things, uh, Mike. First of all, if you want to get back to Hoboken, there's a car there with the engine running. <laughs> Turn around, get in the thing, and hightail it. Get on the turnpike and fly. Well, I think it's a, I think it's a player's car. There's a player Look coming like out here, and it's so dark here <laughs> that I can't see. Take it. Uh, it might be. It's, it's a bearded fellow. It Looks is, like it. but I think you could take <laughs> him. Hold on, hold on, watch. Hey, hey, Jason. Oh, he's stealing a painting. No, see, that's not Kelsey. Not, not Kelsey. <laughs> Why is that man stealing a painting? That's not. That's not right. Uh, quick tweet. Quick tweet before we say goodbye to Mike. There goes half the full yes. shrine. Uh, all right, here it is. Mike Harrell is my hero. I'm watching the show in my Nick Foles jersey, and my God, I've never heard happier news. I don't know if that hashtag means BDN, but I can tell you, Mike, that people are excited in Philly about that quarterback. You know, I know exactly what that hashtag means. Let me just say, <laughs> your, your, your friend Colleen Wolf, she's not as innocent as you think, okay? And during the show on Saturday and Quite Sunday, boy, was she trying to get me on that one. Hashtag BDN. She was dancing around that. Ask her about that. Yeah. That's funny because on this show, she said that we should ban the term Big D when discussing the Cowboys. But that's for another show and another wow. time. Mike. What a two-face. <laughs> Mike Arapolo, <laughs> thank you, buddy. Get dry, and we appreciate you joining us here on the Twitter show. You got it, guys. Thank you. Happy New Year. All right, that was great. Uh, before we go, um, a hashtag that's been on Twitter, hashtag when Marvin Lewis was hired, uh, January 14th, 2003, if you'd believe that. 
So when Marvis, Marvin Lewis... By the way, I started that hashtag. Oh, you started it? Yes. Nice job by you, Chris Weston. Really? Wow. Yes. Since Is that you... taking off? I, I have no idea if it's taking well, off. Well, let's make it a thing. Um, you started since you started You started the Dalton scale. You started this. I don't wow. Can you tell us you're thing. not a Bengals fan? <laughs> when Marvin Lewis was hired, where were you, Wes? I was living in Cincinnati. I was in my seventh year as the records manager at Katie Newthing and Cleek Camp Law Firm, <laughs> playing softball four nights a week, playing hoops in the backyard with Spice Rack. Spicy! Uh, dreaming of Tybee Island, drinking entirely too much beer, getting in trouble, um, probably had just broken off an engagement with a girl who engaged herself to me. That's what I was doing in 2003. How about you, Mark? What was the date? January 14th or something like that? January 2003. January 14th, 2000. That is nine days after the Browns lost a horrific <laughs> playoff game to the Steelers. Tommy Maddox and the Steelers. Absolutely. Kelly Holcomb and the Browns. Big lead. Bruce Arians is the offensive coordinator. The backdrop to this, I was living in Denver. <laughs> I watched that game alone because uh, I was so nervous about it, despite having a bunch of Browns fans who were friends, and was living with um, <laughs> a young female who, uh, quite an up and down relationship, to put it that, to put it no other way. And we left town about a week or two later in a yellow VW camper van, attempting to go to Los Angeles. The van, after stopping at multiple national parks, broke down in uh, Arizona, in Phoenix, where suddenly she told me, after about being there for about a week or two, where we were living in a van in a, in a parking lot. Essentially, you were homeless. We were very close because I also, this was, it's a nice person, but this is one of those special girlfriends in your 20s that costs about $12,000 and put me into massive debt. And so I was on the outs big time. And <laughs> she, she started, it's well, it, you know, it, it was not exactly how that went, but she was telling me suddenly, you know, I'm a desert person. I just think oh, we no. should stay here. And I'm like, I am, I am not a desert person. Um, and, you know, there was a year or two of tumult that's, that, that materialized from that. And then I moved to Los Angeles. A lot of drama. Did I've you heard stay that's... in the van? You just had two years. Did you stay in no, no. Phoenix? No, I, no. I, I got an apartment along a highway above what was um, a, one of the larger meth labs in Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> it is the dark of all those stories that I've heard, Mark, and I've heard them all from you. That is the darkest story. Your Arizona story. Nothing tops the Arizona story. It was a rough period, but I emerged suddenly <laughs> in Los Angeles two years later. Um, January 14, 2003, I had just been hired by the Journal News, and, and, I, and I met it on my first day. Another new hire who drove to work in a uh, uh, green Mustang was Ian Rappaport. Uh, so we were wow. two 23-year-old two, journos. I was in a um, – Long-distance relationship with my college girlfriend driving back and forth between New York and Boston. A highly doomed relationship. Mm. Sometimes you just got to know to break up when senior year is over. But instead, I went the route that led to, like, multiple years of heartache. Uh, so this was a growing period in the life of the old Zeuser, then the young Zeuser. This was all built up to see if Greg existed in 2003. I know. It, this, it sounds like it was a dark time for all, all of us. I, that was one of the least happy times of my life. I don't know exactly what I was doing. I was working at Fox Sports on the weekends, which was great. I had, was working out here. out here in Los Angeles. I was living in West Hollywood. I was working on either most outrageous game show moments five or six or uh, significant others, an underrated pilot that eventually did go to series at Bravo. Uh, 
but the personal life, something just didn't feel right. This was not the path mm-hmm. that I should be on at that time, and I, I bailed. Well, you were 24, like, right, or 23. 24. I would not call it a dark time, but I think all of us probably had that angst that we should have been doing something else with our lives at that age. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I, I definitely oh. felt I probably shouldn't have been covering the swimming and diving championships in upstate New York at that time in my life. Uh, and it was something that haunts at you. I was like an HR coordinator at an, a Wells Fargo that I could walk to from my apartment along the highway and had no car. I mean, it was not exactly like a high point. All right. There you go. Black Monday. Oh, excuse me. New Horizons <laughs> Monday in the books here from uh, Culver City. Where was Erica in 2003? Oh, yeah. About um, 11 years old? Knee high to a June bug. Yeah, I was, uh, I was Batgirl number three in my fifth grade play. <laughs> also, a, also, you would say it, an emotional dark time for you, potentially. Yeah, I really yeah. kind of felt like I should be doing something different. Should have been Batgirl you know? number two. Yeah, I no, know. But... What's up with uh, you being third in line there? It's not third. It was first. I don't know. Number three I mean, seems, number three <laughs> seems to come not. with a certain connotation. It was a dark period. She's, she's buried it. It's deep. <laughs> Steve, you were in the chorus, as they say. Yeah, I didn't have any lines. <laughs> um, all right. Um, thank you, everybody. Um, we'll be back on Wednesday uh, with another show. So um, uh, check that out. And if you didn't check out our Week 17 recap, check that out. Um, and that's it. This is Dan Hedges signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, and Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. Happy New Year, guys. Happy, Happy New, New Year, Year everybody. Year. 2019. Bring it. DeAndre Hopkins is wearing a skirt. Yes. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.